Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. It is time once again for, you know, the show, right? The Life Uncloseted show where we talk about dumping your excuses, facing your fears, and living your unapologetic life, whether it's uncloseted because of your sexuality or whether you're unclosing yourself from being something that you don't want to be. And maybe it's even from unclosing yourself on how you refer to other people. But it's also the beginning of Pride Month that I'm so excited because LGBTQ, IA, and all the rest of the alphabet that we now associate with being out and proud, it's that month where we celebrate diversity in a big way. And, and I just can't wait to have the conversation we're about to have. Uh, normally, I'd kind of do a little plug here about come join me on other things, but I'm going to skip that for now. Maybe I'll talk about that at the end because I really want to dive into this conversation today. And I'm going to be honest. This is something that I still struggle with linguistically and uh, somewhat in my own head with my fellow individuals in our community that are gender non-conforming or non-binary. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. I sometimes struggle with the they, them, and all that sort of stuff because we as humans are conditioned to see people in a certain quote unquote gender. And that's why I'm really excited today to have my guest Ray McDaniel on the podcast. They are a sex therapist turned coach. Can't wait to have that part of the conversation. <laughs> and um, they work with individuals in the transgender, non-binary, questioning, all those types of people who are beautiful individuals in and of themselves, that really the rest of us just need to get over our shit and start to embrace that they prefer to be called they or them and kind of say gender fuck, get over it. Okay. So um, we want to dive in with my guest, Ray. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's cut to the chase. Does it really do piss it. you off when somebody doesn't refer to you as they or them? Only if they're doing it on purpose. Okay. You know, I think we do have to give some compassion for the fact that this is a, a new thing for a lot of people to wrap their heads around. And it takes a little bit of practice to get used to using they, them as a gender neutral pronoun. And it's interesting that you indicated we need to give some grace because I can already hear some people out in the world go, we haven't given grace to the LGBTQ people, so why should we give it to the they, them people? And it's, it's, it's the same stuff. It's like, well, then why should we give you grace if you choose to be a homophobic, narcissistic Christian? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sorry. And I'm sure you come up against this quite a bit, too, in the they, them world that probably what fucks with people the most is, okay, but who do you like having sex with? <laughs> Which has nothing to do with anything, quite no, honestly. it doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, and especially not 
gender identity, right? My right. non-binary identity, that is about me and how I see myself and how I identify myself. It has nothing to do with who I sleep with. Right. And I think a lot of people get hung up in this whole they, them, at least other individuals that I've interviewed in this world and who embrace this aspect of who they are, is they're like, but, okay, but you have, you have tits or you have a vagina or you have a, a dick. I'm like, okay, so, so what? It's yeah. just anatomically what you came into the world with. Mm -hmm. So when you have those, and especially as a sex therapist, I'm sure this has come up many, many times in your world. How do you handle that person who's like, but you have to be this because you have a vagina. How would you respond to somebody in that realm? So I think this response is probably a bigger response. Um, but I think the background of it is that we make the assumption that there are two biological sexes, right? You pop out of the womb, the doctor says it's a boy or it's a girl, and that's it. And I think some of us have the awareness that every once in a while, someone might pop out of the womb and the doctor says, this child is intersex or has some sort of difference in sexual development. But what we're learning from science is that based on the appearance of genitals, the chromosomal system, and the endocrine system or the hormonal system, the number of people who actually don't belong in either checkbox A of woman or checkbox B of male is roughly the amount of people in the world who have red hair, or said another way, twice the population of Canada. So when we're talking about binary genders built upon a binary system of sex assigned at birth, that system is not relevant scientifically. That is something that we're beginning to learn more and more about is the diversity of biology. And I think that diversity of biology is such an interesting thing because it also comes down <laughs> through the rest of the LGBTQ alphabet. I was working with a client this morning in another aspect of business that I work with, and he's a bisexual man. He's actually an actor in LA. And it's a really interesting conversation with him at times because he's starting to wrap his head around his own sexuality and biology. Mm -hmm. He's like, I, I, I'm struggling at times to realize, hey, I'm this good looking, masculine guy, furry chest. He's got a great body. He's a model. So he's just, he's mm -hmm. a beautiful being that this masculine guy can be attracted to another guy. But then on the other side of that, he goes, this masculine physical, you know, presence is also very comfortable with. Hey, I'm just attracted to a guy and that's what I'm, you know, doing at this stage of my life. So it, it was interesting. We, we talk on other stuff, but he brought this up today. He goes, so I know you work with this and he goes, I'm just curious since you're, since you're coaching me on this other stuff, can I ask you another question? I'm like, sure. He goes, how do you balance that out? And I said, why do you have to balance that out? Why can't you question. just be who you are? Mm -hmm. And I know he kind of walked away like, okay, I guess I know what I'm th thinking about it for the rest of the you know weekend. But I think it is an interesting space that you, in your world, 
of doing a what you do for a living and then showing up mm -hmm. in the world in your own identity i think people will probably get way too hung up on but your biological and then your sexual attraction and all this other stuff how do you help balance that out i guess i'll just ask you for you personally how did you balance it out when you started embracing or realizing this is how i see myself in the world so i think for me i have been very lucky in some ways and also very intentional in surrounding myself with people who don't ask me questions like that generally mm -hmm. yep. so my community and the people that i surround myself with are all really supportive of me they see me for who i am they accept me for who i am they don't care what's going on with my body um and so I balance it that way, is that the mm. people that I really care about their opinions of me, all of those people are supportive of me. And strangers on the street, random people, or even family members who don't really see me for who I am, there's a lot less weight on those opinions because I don't need their approval. That's a huge thing. And <clears throat> I know in the 10 years, or actually, I guess it's almost 12 years that I've been coaching individuals coming out of the closet. One of the things that I've shared with them is that true desire, and, and I don't use this word too often, need to surround yourself with people that can support you. Mm -hmm. Be in those realms. It doesn't mean to say fuck off everybody else, but as you're, especially as you're starting the journeys, of whether it's coming out as you're gay, bi, trans, non-binary, whatever it is, to find your crowd. Yeah. Because and I would even go ahead. I would even say it is a need. You know, research tells us that if you look at research on any marginalized community, but specifically the LGBTQ community, everything that you're gonna read is gonna say that support and in particular family support if you can get it or close social network support is going to be the number one mitigator of distress it's a huge resiliency factor for people you just said something that kind of piqued my interest so family support if you can get it do you mm -hmm. in your professional opinion what you've come across for yourself personally and, and as well professionally do you find the gender non-conforming, non-binary, even a bigger hurdle for family members than, oh, I'm gay, I'm lesbian, I'm bi? Or do you think it's kind of equal on the fronts? Yes and no. So I think there is more familiarity with LGB, yes. right? When we start getting into T and especially yes. non-binary folks, yep. there is less knowledge and so I think it's harder in that sense, especially for non-binary folks, because they're also having to approach family members who might not be familiar with they, them pronouns mm -hmm. or uh, the gender spectrum. And so I think they're fighting that battle on a few different fronts. Luckily, I think we are getting, you know, we were talking before the interview started, we're getting more attention in media for non-binary folks. It's becoming more a part of the conversation and we still have a long way to go. I agree a hundred percent. And I think a big part of this a long way to go still stems from the whole LGB still having a long way to go, even in its realm, even though 
I consider it light years ahead. And the reason I say that is it's probably been six years, maybe seven years ago that I first started speaking on panels with PFLAG. And we always would be on panels where there'd be a gay man, a lesbian, um, <clears throat> honestly, very few bisexuals, mm -hmm. but a trans or gender non-conforming. So <clears throat> even seven years ago, the gender non-conforming was like, we're just beginning to get into there, you know? And I remember the questions used to be like, well, tell me about when you were first attracted to a guy or, you know, you know, what's it like to, you know, all the curiosity questions, right? Yeah. The trans was kind of the quiet subject matter. And then suddenly, you know, it just started coming forward because that the movement was starting to happen. Mm -hmm. It was starting to be seen and, and everybody was starting to get comfortable with it within probably two years, three years. I was the least calm, you know, I, I was still controversial because I had been married for 36 years, came out of the closet, mm -hmm. had two kids. So my story was always kind of a unique anomaly to college students, but I saw the shift beginning to happen. And then I remember the first time we were on a panel and it was the first time I had been on a panel with somebody who was gender nonconforming and I didn't even get a question. <laughs> Because this was like, this was like the new, oh, this is the new curiosity at the sideshow, so to speak, right? Yeah. But I also found it so interesting how, and I guess maybe it was because it's the college crowd, even though, you know, five years ago or so, this was so new, their openness, their embracing of, okay, so, okay, so you're the old gay guy. Yeah, well, that's old news, right? but their willingness to go there. And I remember one student saying, I hate to even ask this question, but I get really embarrassed when I try to talk to someone who is gender non-conforming because I'm afraid I'm all just going to keep fucking up their pronouns. Mm -hmm. And the person who was on the panel, <laughs> it was really, it was very, it was a touching moment. They said, honey, I still fuck up every once in a while too. And I still love myself. And it was so, oh, it was, yeah, it was such a beautiful moment. And even to this day, and you kind of said it too, like be gentle with yourself and have grace. I wish the message could become, why can't we just be gentle with each other? Yeah, I hear that. Yeah. And I think it's important, you know, it, like I was saying, using they, them pronouns is something that is relatively new to right. us as a culture. The talk about the non-binary identities and genderqueer identities is also fairly new. Right. And we're gonna screw up. Well, mm -hmm. Like this person on the panel said, I still screw up people's pronouns and I live and breathe being non-binary and working with trans and non-binary folks. And I think where we get into dangerous territory is when people who are cisgender, right? Anybody who's not trans, who they're afraid to make a mistake, but, and they have good intentions. And so they disconnect right? So that they don't make a mistake. They completely disconnect from being in relationship with people who are trans or non-binary. And I think that's a shame. 
And I think that comes from a place of, of shame of not wanting to screw up. And I just want to normalize, we're going to make mistakes. Everybody screws up. And it's really about how you repair from those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's how you show up in those mistakes too. Mm-hmm. You know, I was <clears throat> at my daughter's house a few, eh, it's probably been six weeks, uh, yeah, it's been longer ago than that. And we were just talking in generalities about things and her boyfriend, well, they're roommates. So her and her boyfriend live with another couple and the female and the other couple, she is Chinese and her brother was there and we were having this conversation and I caught myself saying something about, um, have you seen the new show Kim's convenience? Great Asian show. And I even caught myself going, well, wait, okay. Did I say that right? And I thought, of course I said that right. I'm describing the show, but then I caught myself going, well, why did I have to say it's an Asian show when I could have said it's a show about a Korean family, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so these are those moments in time that I totally get the disconnect. I've seen this mm-hmm. in many, many people outside of this marginalized world that we live in that disconnect from even how do I talk to a black person? How do I talk to someone of Hispanic descent, you know, mm-hmm. and suddenly here we then are all of us disconnecting in the dangerous territories you just said, because, okay, I don't want to fuck up. Yeah. But yet the fuck up is where the beauty in my, in the right ways, the fuck up is where the beauty of humanity starts to shift and grow. I think there's a lot of opportunity for healing there. You know, there is a, a DEI consultant named Erica Hines who says everybody needs to stumble and be ready to fumble. And I love that um, because I think that speaks to so much of what you just said in that any conversation that we're entering into with people who are different from us, Mm -hmm. it's a brave space. And we have to be willing to fall flat on our face, to pick ourselves up and to try again. And that's how we build those bridges and those relationships. So as you're working with clients, and I, I love that you use the terminology brave space as you're working with your clients, transgender, gender nonconforming, you know, whatever the realm is that they're working in, how do you help them create that brave space for themselves? Mm, such a good question. Let me think about that for a second. No, you don't have a second. This is a 30 minute show. We got to keep going. <laughs> Quit going. Okay. Yeah. I would say the first thing would be that social support that we were talking about. So creating a brave space for yourself is really about who is around you creating that space. And even people who are in more rural areas, usually there are some people around. They may be a little harder to find, but some people who may not have all the language right, but want to show up for you. And there are always people online as well. I think there's a lot of really amazing online communities that everybody has access to. Yep. So I think that is step one in creating a brave space. Step two, I think that would be looking at gender identity and gender transition as a process of self-growth. 
I think we look at it a lot of times as this really big, scary, deep, heavy thing in someone's life. And it, it can be that. And that narrative doesn't come from nowhere, right? Our world is not set up to celebrate and support trans people. Yep. But when we're able to kind of shift our mindset to gender transition being a really exciting and important exploration of self, it really changes the narrative there. And I think having that attitude of what are we moving towards versus what are we moving away from can be a really powerful mindset shift. It's interesting that you said the world is not set up for <clears throat> the transgender non-conforming because as soon as you said, I'm like, well, it's not set up for LGBTQ. But then I recently, the beginning of 2021, I fell and I broke my wrist. And of course I broke my dominant hand wrist. I so appreciate the left-hand world now because so much of life is not set up for people who are left-handed. I found everything being awkward because I started using my left hand. And you know, right out the gate, I started using my mouse to try to navigate. And I actually was pretty good right out the gate, but then I, I noticed little things like going down a stairway, the handrails on the right, trying to reach a door, you know, it's all these things. So it's not the same as what you're bringing up, but there is the intersections, you know, and even in my world, and I've used this a couple of times in the same analogy, I can walk down the street Somebody can see me. Nobody's going to know I'm gay. Mm -hmm. I can't relate to somebody who walks down the street and their skin is black. I can relate to a point, mm -hmm. but there's something that sets me apart right away. So now let's step into your world. You could walk down the street walking right next to me. Most people would probably look at you and say, oh, she is a very, you know, kind of not conforming person, but she mm -hmm. still looks like a woman. But then suddenly the whole other aspect of life shows up. And so we as humans make all these assumptions. We identify with what we identify with. And I remember a few years ago at a conference, I befriended somebody at the conference and he was just a really great guy. And it was just, we had a lot of fun. And we started talking about lots of different things. And I said, so, you know, I'm just going to ask the question because this is what I do. I ask questions. I said, I'm just curious, are you gay? Because they presented very much that way. Mm -hmm. And he said, no. He goes, I'm really asexual. And it was such an interesting moment for me because I'm like, okay, this is one of the first times I've ever had that conversation with someone. And it made me see how so many assumptions get made. And then the unraveling, which could be one way of looking at it, or the opportunities present themselves to go and have the deeper conversations. I think too many people hear something like asexual or gender nonconforming and the unraveling happens. I'm like, okay, I can't relate to you. I don't, da, da. instead of, well, so where's the opportunity to have the bigger conversation? Yeah, I love that. 
And I think the analogy you used about your wrist could also be used as an analogy for microaggressions, which is what mm -hmm. you're talking about, yep. right? The little ways that cisgender people are privileged over trans folks and non-binary folks, and it's death by a thousand paper cuts, right? Mm -hmm. These little instances, they add up over time and it creates trauma, right? Every time I mm -hmm. get misgendered as she, her, yep. right? I have a strong support system and still it's a paper cut. Yep. Um, and for me, this isn't generally a problem, but for a lot of trans folks, going to the bathroom is such a place of anxiety yep. because we know that trans people are often harassed in bathrooms yep. or kicked out of bathrooms. Yep. It's stressful. Yep. So being out in public, you're constantly having to navigate where's the closest bathroom that I can go in and not stress myself out. And yet... I would assume, and, and this is where I'm going to like be really vulnerable right now, that may not be the same thing for a gender non-conforming person, because that's not as it, at least the individuals I've, you know, met and been involved with on my podcast, you could probably walk in a bathroom and it's not going to be an issue. It's just, this is who you are. Now you might, so I'm going to just kind of paint the picture of Ray right now. They have on a stocking cap. A sweater if i were to say they look like which gender i would say they more present feminine but there's a masculine edge to it but if i was going to say where would they go to the bathroom my assumption would be well they could go to the women's bathroom but they could also pull off maybe walking into a men's restroom and no harm no foul either way mm -hmm. and i've done both and i think for someone like me who was assigned female at birth, I yep. still, like you're kind of describing, I present pretty um, androgynous in the way that yeah. our culture thinks of androgynous. It's safer for me to go into a women's restroom than it is to a men's restroom. Yeah. And I think that safety piece is a, a big part of why some people might choose to go into, say, a women's restroom over a men's restroom, even if their gender identity and expression, they would feel more comfortable in a men's restroom. Mm -hmm. So this is going to sound like a really stupid interviewer question, but I'm asking it for a very specific reason. So this has just got to be something that only shows up in the younger generation, right? Being non-binary? Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely not. You know, the, <laughs> the culture and discussion, cultural discussion, I should say, right. about non-binary identities, that is something that is fairly new. Yes. However, non-binary people have existed as long as time has existed <gasps> okay there's the gasp but it's not yeah. but it's not something we've known how to it's like everything else well that if we don't talk about it it doesn't exist yeah i, I think that's a big part of it i think the way that we talk about non-binary identities typically these days is very much based in white American culture, yep. right? There are a lot of other cultures around the world who embrace more gender fluidity and have third genders, and they mm -hmm. have all sorts of different names for those third genders, and they have a different way of thinking about that and a different relationship to it than the discussion that we're having now. Yeah, I agree. 
So one of the things you've established is the gender fuck the club. Tell us yes. a little bit about that. Yeah. So gender fuck the club is based on the gender fuck model, which I created. I created the model because I was really tired of only seeing discussion and research around trans identities and gender transition that was about minority stress that was about the suffering that trans people have to go through. And I don't want to minimize that suffering because that has been and still continues to be a lot of people's story. And as a therapist and as a coach, I have to ask myself the question, how do we do this better? How do we make the process from beginning to question your gender to, and I put this in air quotes, post-transition, how do we make that entire journey feel better? So I started looking to a bunch of research on resiliency, on coping skills, on strengths-based psychology. I've looked to other um, fields like human-centered design thinking and put together everything that I can think of into a tangible model. And Genderfuck the Club is the container for that model. So it includes a 10-week course that goes through the Genderfuck model, live group coaching every other week. It has an online support community that is, I'm in there supporting folks. There's also a peer community of people supporting folks. It includes some fun extras like book clubs. And we have a gender euphoria social where we talk about all the really good things that are happening in transition. Mm, awesome. How long has it been around? I've been using the principles of the gender fuck model in my therapy work and teaching them to other therapists for probably five or six years, but I've only put it into a cohesive model in the past couple of years. That's so it's still amazing. really new. Yeah. It's still really iterative and still trying to figure out what is the best way to get this to other humans. Mm -hmm. Well, the best way is to get on more podcasts just like this and share your message. And um, I just I just love this. So before we wrap up here, Ray, I have one final question. What makes you most proud about just being who you are and how you show up in the world in your gender identity? What makes me the most proud is that when I am walking around feeling comfortable in my own skin and not thinking about gender, which is the majority of my days now, I get to show up, lit up and authentic. And that helps me live out my purpose in the world in a totally different way. I show up with more energy. I show up more enthusiastic and authentic and I walk around lit up. And that makes a huge difference in my quality of life. I'm so glad that's what you shared because I have held a very, very firm belief that of all the many things that happen when you come out, regardless of whether it's coming out because you're gay, lesbian, bi, trans, gender, whatever, one of the things that I've held as one of the greatest things besides freedom and authenticity is you truly show up in your purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people miss that piece of it. Yes, we're going to go through some challenges. We're going to be tried. We're going to have people not like us, all this sort of stuff. But man, what a beautiful thing when you can stand truly in yourself, which then truly leads you into your purpose. 
and lets you know, this is why I am on the planet. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is how I'm supposed to be showing up. And I'm so, I wasn't expecting that to be the answer, but I'm glad it is because it's just, it's such a light torch bearing sort of statement of it really helps me show up in my purpose. And I can tell from everything that you've shared, that's exactly um, how you show up. So really quickly, the best way for someone to touch base with you, is it through the genderfuck.club website? Where would we find you? Yep. You can find me at genderfuck with no you. So genderfck.club. That's the best way to find me. I'm also on all the social media under practical audacity, pretty easy to find. Um, And I'd love to talk to anybody that has questions or, or comments based on the episode. And real quick, one last question. If somebody's really like, okay, I know this about myself. I'm, I'm just struggling. What's the one piece of advice that you'd love to leave them with? They just help them maybe take one step forward to getting the next, next piece of their life opening up. I call it the power of tiny steps or the spaghetti wall method, right? When you're cooking a a pot of spaghetti and you throw it at the wall to see if it's done. And if it's not, if it doesn't stick, it's not done. And it's no big deal. You just go back to cooking the spaghetti. So what I tell people is to take one tiny step, the tiniest and the easiest step that you can think of towards what you are curious about, towards what you think might feel good. Take the step stop and assess. Did this feel good? Yes. Okay. One more tiny step. It didn't feel good. Okay. That's fine. Let's go back to the drawing board. And as you build on those tiny steps, those tiny steps start to add up real quick. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing yourself and happy pride to everybody out there listening. It doesn't matter where you are. It's it's time to celebrate. Be you. Step out there. Take that tiny step. And even if this pride year you're not quite ready to be out and proud, be out and proud with yourself. I think that would be an overriding message that both Ray and I would like to leave with you is this is a time of celebration, regardless of whether it's in a big pride event, which probably there's not going to be. I don't know. We'll see. Um, not going to be a lot of those going on, but be proud in yourself and be out there and um, just keep doing what you're doing. And thank you again, Ray, for being here. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about and you just might help change a life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, We'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.